Let's look again at Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. May I begin today by recalling something that I've said to you on other occasions regarding these messages that I bring each Sunday. And that is that it is my earnest desire and prayer that before I would preach these messages to you each week, that God would first preach them to me, to my heart, to my soul, to my spirit. And thankfully, God does exactly that. And he's especially done that with the message last week, last Sunday morning, regarding this word, let, that's spread all through this passage. And then also the concept of releasing the power of the Holy Spirit to do his sanctifying work in me. And then also to add to those words, God brought back to my mind the command in James 1, verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then in Romans 2, similar words in verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So then, with those words as our beginning point, what is it that we must do, you and I, must do for the Holy Spirit to be able to move on forward in doing this sanctifying work in us, this changing of who we are? And the answer to that question will be our quest. And I pray that God will open your and my mind and heart as He speaks to us. So first, as we studied last week, it's clear from these scriptures that you and I are fully able to resist and to grieve the Holy Spirit's power and His presence in us. Yes, He could very easily force His sovereign will upon us and even crush our individual free will. But He seldom ever seems to do that. Seldom ever. Rather, He desires instead for you and me to step on forward and to willingly exert our free will to do His will. And I do earnestly desire and want and hope to always do that. To at every turn yield my own personal will to do His will. But unfortunately, I don't do that. Too often, I find myself falling right back into the old ways of that old man that we have been speaking about that we are supposed to put off. And when I do that, I grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Folks, listen. Simply put, you and I really can and often do resist and grieve the Holy Spirit in so many ways. 
just simply by the way that we are. The way that we, our personality has developed. With the things that we do with that personality that we have. With the responses that we have to all of the things about us, but especially the response that we have to Him in His sanctifying efforts within us as He seeks to change these troubled souls of ours. And as we resist and as we grieve Him, we also quench that blessed holy fire that He has put within us. Those words again from Luke 3, verse 16. John the Baptist answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I that is coming, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, we read, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, and do not quench the Spirit. Now, as these words imply, all of these ways of resisting and rejecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit will hinge upon particular responses that you and I will have to Him as He does His work in us. And this word, let, is one of those special responses that you and I are to seek to grasp and to understand. Yes, we can be fully saved. And we can have God's Holy Spirit abiding fully within us. Ready and willing, listen, ready and willing to do His precious work in us. But before He's able to go on forward with it, you and I must allow Him to do it. You and I must let Him do it, as these words tell us here in this passage. You and I must release those bindings and remove the hindrances and the obstacles that we've placed in His way. Now again, simply put, it is our free will that God is dealing with in these matters. And so must you and I deal with that free will. It is our free will that will erect those obstacles and place those bindings all around the Holy Spirit. It is our free will that will undermine and prevent His work from moving forward. And I have to say to you, that is a terrible thought for me. That I am able to resist and grieve and to quench the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, whose only desire it is to help me. That is His whole desire, to help me, to bless me. And yet I would resist Him. I would quench His Spirit. I would put a binding upon His power and keep Him from going any further with me. And let me say to you, that is a condition that you and I must never allow to continue within us. Which then brings us back to the concept that we studied last week. That of needing to somehow remove whatever those barriers and obstacles and bindings are that we have intentionally or unintentionally, most often unintentionally, placed around the Holy Spirit. We need to release those bindings and allow Him to do His work. And yes, this concept of releasing the power of the Holy Spirit 
in me is a strange concept. I've not yet fully dealt with it. But it sure does seem to be the answer that God is speaking into my spirit right now. That my free will is a binding hindrance upon His work in me and I need to do my part to release Him to do it. I think as a father. God is our father. He's our loving father. And we are His sons and daughters. And He is pleading with us but He's also commanding us to let His Holy Spirit do His work in us. Now may I give one more proof regarding this concept and it's found right here in today's passage. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Now here immediately after we're commanded in verse 30 to not grieve the Holy Spirit. In verse 31 we read, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Now folks, those words are not vague, they're not confusing, or otherwise unclear. By the command, let, you and I are being told that we have a part that we must be diligent to play. We have a part in this. That in some way or another we're hindering the putting away of this bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking that's taking place in us. And we are to remove whatever that obstacle may be. But then note also that this manner of wording implies that there is another involvement besides us and in addition to us in this transaction. Let me read that again. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. There's an implication in there that there's another involvement besides ourselves. And it agrees with the words over in Philippians 2 that we studied last week. This Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Now notice in those words, there in verse 12 of Philippians 2, we are commanded to do our part. Work out your own salvation. And then in verse 13, it moves, though. The responsibility changes to another person, to God Himself, for the doing of that work. The verse again, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. The responsibility in the first part is ours. The second part in verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Those two verses, they're in Philippians and over in Ephesians, they're speaking the same truth. Our part is the simple part, to let God's Holy Spirit do His work. Our part is to let Him His part is to actually do the work, to put it away from us. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. 
not me put it away, although I am charged with that also, but this can only be done. It can only be removed by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our part and His part working together. But as I confessed to you last week, though my part is the simplest part, I'm still struggling about just how I'm supposed to get about becoming this doer and not just the hearer of these precious words. These are very spiritual instructions. And I'm struggling to know how to move on with them. So this past week, I dedicated myself to doing some very careful study on this perplexing dilemma. And true to form, God is always ready to provide answers when we seek and ask and knock. He says He'll answer. So beginning first in my reading of another of the daily devotionals by Oswald Chambers, he reminded me of these words. Listen, simplicity is the secret of seeing things clearly. A saint does not always think clearly, but a saint ought to be able to see clearly without much difficulty. You cannot always think a spiritual muddle clear. Often you have to simply obey it clear. If there is something upon which God has put His pressure, obey in that matter. Bring your imagination into captivity to the obedience of Christ with regard to that matter, and everything will become as clear as daylight. Let me say that again. So often we try to think our way through a matter, and we're not able to do that. And that's what he's saying here. Often, you and I need to simply obey it through. And once we obey it through, then it'll suddenly become as clear as daylight. And so with those words, I've concluded for myself that obedience is the clearest path that I have to take if I'm ever to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from me. But where must I begin? As I have studied through these scriptures and as I've prayed for God's guidance, I was led right back to these words of the passage that we've been studying over these past few weeks. Here God is defining for us how we're to go about giving up our corrupt, self-centered free will. That of putting off that old man, putting on the new man. And here he defines in this passage that we've been studying for the past few weeks four specific involvements with sin. And in the midst of those four, he urges us with verse 30 to not grieve the Holy Spirit. So I've decided that I should take these four sinful behaviors as my beginning point. Now no, these four are not a complete list. But they're a place to start. They are a place to start. Here God tells us, listen, to rid ourselves of the habits and the entanglements of lying and of anger and of stealing. Stealing in all its many different forms and of participating in corrupt talking. May I say though, as I go forward with this, that while I keep speaking about myself in this context, each one of you 
must also walk this same pathway. It's not an option for us. It's a command from God. And so the place for me to begin is to simply recognize and to accept that I not only have these four sinful behaviors within me, they are also probably far more pervasive than I am seeing them to be. Yes, most of the time these behaviors are so subtle and so beguiling that I don't even recognize that I'm doing them. But I do do them. I do do these four sins. I lie. I'm an angry man. I steal. And I engage in corrupt conversation. And I need to join with God's Holy Spirit and release Him, allow Him to do His work of putting off these sinful behaviors. As I prayed and beseeched the Lord to help me to know how to remove these obstacles, I've asked Him to reveal to me how these four sins manifest themselves in me, in my daily life. And as part of my prayer, I have asked the Lord how I should go about finding the answers that I need. And without hesitation, God gave me the clear instruction that I'm to ask you, the members of this church, for your help. James 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses, your sins, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so, may I earnestly ask each of you for your help as I engage in this intimate search for relief from these dilemmas of sin. Now, I know that I'm only with you for a few hours a week, and you may not think that you know me well enough, but may I request that you ask God's Spirit to reveal some answers to you, because I really do need your counsel. Now, as I've given my own thoughts to these four sinful behaviors, I've asked myself, Just how often and in what ways do these sins slither their way into my mind, into my soul, into my spirit? And for me, I believe that most of my sin finds its easiest entrance through my pride, through my ego, my ego. As for lying, I find that when something I do or say is questioned, I want to do what the politicians and the media does. I put my best spin on it. In one of those Fox programs, one of those anchors says, the spin stops here. Each time that something goes on within our governmental process, depending on what side of the aisle that you're on, they spin it one way or the other. And isn't that a clever subtlety? Listen, that is a very clever subtlety. To spin something does not sound nearly as corrupt as lying about it. But folks, I don't think that God views such expressions and behaviors as spinning any differently than He would lying. 
So then, while the politicians and the media and you and I call it spinning, God calls it lying. It's as simple as that. And yes, I do spend my circumstances and my behaviors to put myself into the best light. But God knows the difference. And He doesn't call it spinning. He calls it lying. And I need to call it lying. Notice there also, though, that spinning ties in with the corrupt talking. One or the other of the four. There you get two sins for one. Sin loves company. So then, yes, though I really don't want to lie, I don't intend to lie, I do lie. And I want God's Holy Spirit to put off my lying from me. Now next, yes, I am an angry person. I've confessed to you on other occasions that anger has been one of those prevailing sins in my life. Instant anger at another person or a circumstance. Quite often it'll be an inanimate object. But I can get just as angry at that inanimate object as I can a person. It might be one of the other drivers on the road. It might be one of my precious family members. It can easily be at the politicians and the media and on and on. So then, yes, I need for God's Holy Spirit to put off my anger from me. And again, there also my corrupt tongue is most always involved. In anger, I can rant and I can complain mercilessly. And I can explain how they should have done it right, which of course is my own opinion, which is foolishness. Next, do I steal? Now this is also one of those very subtle sins. Though I seldom ever intentionally steal, yes, I do steal. One of the ways that I steal makes use of of one of these other sinful behaviors, again, my corrupt tongue. I pondered this matter and I said, I will often poor mouth people. By the way, this took place just this past week. I need some work done at my house by a contractor. So I will often poor mouth people in order to gain a lower, more favorable price for something I want to get done or to buy from them. I even invoke my many years in ministry as a proving point as if to say to those other people that they should know that people in ministry don't make as much money as people in secular work. I want to cry right now because all of that is lying. All of that is lying. And it's stealing. And it's corrupt conversation. Why? Because the real truth is God has provided over and above all that I could ever need in this life. All of my wants. I have everything that I could need. I am rich beyond measure. To invoke the name of God in some way in my process of stealing, of deceiving, of lying. It's an awful thing. 
Now all those thoughts came to me simply from just a few minutes of reflection. And I do pray that God will continue to reveal more and more of my simple ways to me. But now what is the next thing that is needful in this spiritual transaction with God? Recognizing the sin that prevails within me is the first step. The next step is repenting of those sins. I must confess those sins to God and ask Him to forgive me. 1 John 1, 1.9 says that if I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to change the thing that is within me that brings those sins up to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I need to repent of them and ask Him to forgive me. And then next, I need to personally renounce those sins. If I don't, they will continue to reinsert themselves back into my life and I'll do the very same thing that I used to do over and over again if I don't renounce them. And then I need to release Him, to let Him do His work of removing those sins from me. Now yes, the struggle with my old self battles constantly in these transactions. But I know that I must be diligent to do my part and to obey these matters through. That's the way of faith. Listen as I close. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Let's pray.